for joining us here on the BetUS MBA show. Alongside Josh C. and Alex Christensen, I'm Kate Constable. Hope you all had a great holiday weekend. Gentlemen, I hope yours was well uh, as well. I did not have the greatest weekend in terms of betting on Christmas Day. That didn't go too well for me. I took the uh, Suns and the Lakers. Lost both of those. So I hope, uh, Josh, your your Christmas betting day went a little bit better. Uh, it wasn't great. It was one and two on Christmas Day. Um, I did not bet the Lakers, which was nice. I'm a little bit ashamed that you did, Kate. Have you learned nothing from I know. us this show? I, I know. feel like that's, I, that's the only what thing I thought we've as soon as, yes. We tried. It all entered my mind during that game, even before placing that bet. So you just didn't do enough to persuade me against it. But I won't be betting the Lakers anymore. Alex, how was yours? That. Not too bad. Um, one and one myself. I had the Knicks. I try to remember. I know I had a Hawks team total under. That's actually been quite a bit of fun. Um, as they put these eight, nine guys on the floor, they keep hanging 100 for a group of guys who are really struggling to get to 90. So had that, but also had... Um, the under in the Nets Lakers game, which another thing that I should know better by now than to bet on Nets totals, but here we are. So one and one, and it was nice to see an old friend, some Nets totals pain. Great. Well, that's good to hear, and I'm glad to be back with you guys. I feel like it's been a while. Missed you guys since last week. So we're going to jump back into things. Let's take a look at our overall record to kick things off. I'm glad that Christmas Day wasn't on during the show because so, then it doesn't count towards our overall record. So that's good for me. Sitting at 46-41, Alex 39-35, Josh 31-37, grand total 164-147. The Thursday before, last Thursday before Christmas break was our, I think our worst day on the show since the season started. We lost everything except had uh, had two pushes, so no wins in that day. So we're going to uh, put that day to the side and look ahead towards today's slate and hope to get a couple more W's in the win column there. So we'll kick things off today talking about the Houston Rockets playing the Charlotte Hornets in Charlotte tonight. Charlotte's a seven-point favorite at home. That total is sitting at 234.5. Highest total of the day, very high total. The Rockets here are 2-7 and seven in their last nine. Hornets, they beat the Nuggets in their last outing to go into the break sitting at 500. Both of these teams haven't played since the 23rd, so a nice full three days of rest heading into tonight's game. Josh, I'll start things off with you. What do you like about this game? Yeah, this is literally going to be an up and down game um, in its truest form. We should see both teams, I think, being able to score and take advantage of their matchups, but even with the outs for Charlotte, with Bridges out, P.J. Washington out, they have basically too much firepower, I think, for this Houston team to keep pace. The Rockets, Kevin Porter Jr., I think, is still questionable. Jalen Green is questionable. I wouldn't be shocked to see them both sit. We've seen that from the Rockets this year when they play the front end of a back-to-back where you know they rest their players first up and they'll probably play them the second night of the back-to-back. And against the Lakers tomorrow probably makes a little bit more sense for them than on the road here in Charlotte. Um, but, you know, when it comes to the Hornets, even with those outs, and I think one thing we've learned from them during this little COVID um, time and period that they've had to endure already with players out is that James Borrego seems to just be able to get the rest of the team to perform much the same, um, almost irrespective of who's in and out of that lineup. So I don't necessarily think we see any sort of drop-off from them whatsoever here. Uh, you know, the guys like that are still playing, Terry Rozier, LaMelo Ball, Gordon Haywood, they all have significant matchup advantages offensively, should be able to pretty much do as they please and 
get where they want on the court. So I think the Hornets ultimately going to you know, basically pick their score here. And the Rockets should keep pace, I think, for the most part. But we should see a drop-off um, at times, especially when the rotation players come in to play here. So I do make this probably closer to an eight, eight and a half. It's not a huge edge on the market at the moment, um, but I just like Charlotte back at home after what was a really tough road trip. Got to spend Christmas home, uh, back to work now, and I think that this just sets up as a really nice spot for them to take care of business. The Hornets have the second best turnover rate and the Rockets have the worst turnover rate in the league. So Josh, to go along with your point of just the matchup advantages that Houston has on this Rockets team, and then knowing that the Hornets, the Rockets don't take care of the ball. So the Hornets are going to have a ton of second chance opportunities, a ton of um, just extra opportunities to score tonight. So I like the Hornets tonight as well to cover the minus seven. Alex, what are your thoughts on this one? I'm on board with you guys here. I have this as kind of Hornets minus nine myself. And that's before making the adjustment that Josh talked about. I mean, teams with back to backs, it's kind of one of the nuances that we've learned this year. We talk about, I think, a lot with the Denver Nuggets. They kind of throttle down in game one, throttle up in game two. And it's odd. You don't think of a team as bad as the Houston Rockets trying to figure out how we're going to balance our players for this next two-game trip because we really got to beat the Lakers. Like It's just bizarre to consider, but they really are. You go back and look, they're much worse in the first end of those back-to-backs. Again, even though they're just trying to get as much as they can out of these young players, they really do throttle guys minutes down. It's very odd. So, you know, again, even before kind of factoring that in, I have it at nine. You lay that layer that in, you're probably looking at a 10, maybe, probably not quite to 11. So a pretty solid edge here for a Hornets team that the market, again, very has been slow to react to some of these teams coming back off COVID as, you know, almost if they forgot they played the last two weeks without anybody. And they've now got two or three games out of their belt. I would much rather Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington been playing, but all the other important pieces are there, and, and they should just be able to rip into a, a Rockets team that you know has really lost to teams like this this year. These two teams played earlier this year. Final score of that game was Rockets 146, Hornets 143. Total of that game, obviously, then 289, which is a massive total. This one here tonight at 235, which seems really high, but that might be the way to go with how these two teams have played this last time. But all three of us, we're going to go with the side tonight and take the Hornets minus seven. Chicago Bulls are in Atlanta tonight to take on the Hawks. The Bulls are a four and a half point favorite. Total here is sitting at 210 and a half. That's gone up a little bit. I believe it opened at 208. The Bulls played last night. They beat the Pacers by eight at home. Atlanta got blown out by the Knicks on Christmas Day. They've now lost three of their last four. Josh, personnel-wise, the Hawks are very thin. A lot of players in health and safety protocols. So this line it seems a bit short to me, does it to you? Seems very short. Um, obviously, the big news at the moment are rumblings that Trey Young could play. He's returned a negative COVID test. I think he needs to return another negative COVID test uh, before he can be cleared to do so. That's probably the only explanation I can give you as to why this line has tumbled the way it has. Um, because like you said, the rest of that Hawks roster right now is pretty decimated and not particularly great. Um, it's actually somehow gotten worse since the one we saw on Christmas Day as well against the Knicks. You know, they lose John Collins now. Um, so that that's just an extra piece that, you know, was probably productive and, and the only piece that was probably productive in that Knicks game for them. If Trey Young does play, I still don't necessarily think that the Hawks are, are playable. You know, we 
have seen with a lot of these guys coming back from COVID needing to sort of go through conditioning and get, you know, get their legs underneath them again. And I'd imagine that would be the case again for him. I, I don't know why that wouldn't be the situation. So I do find it a little bit puzzling and strange. I think if he is out, we see this obviously balloon back out to six, maybe even a little bit higher than that six and a half. Um, you know, maybe it settles at a four, three and a half, four if he is in. So, yeah, a really strange one in terms of the line movement here. But again, when you just look at what's available and who's been cleared to play, this Hawks team is terrible. And Chicago being on a back-to-back, I'm not too phased. I think it was DeMar DeRozan, the only one played about 36 minutes. The other starters around 32, 33 minutes. Um, You know, they had a long rest and a long break before that. So I don't think it's necessarily going to catch up with them too much in this particular spot. Um, even on a back-to-back. So for me, the Bulls, I think, is pretty straightforward here. I'm just going to play the better team with their star players available against a team that is just sort of, you know, band-aiding it together and sticking out whoever they can just to get these games over and done with at the moment. I would agree with you, Josh. Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball out tonight for the Bulls. I would much prefer to have them in, you know, the defense that Caruso provides would be great in this uh, in this game tonight. But the Hawks will be relying on Bogdan Bogdanovich and Cam Reddish to run their offense and, and provide points on the offensive end tonight. And so I don't see those two being too much of a threat against this Bulls team. That's been great defensively for the first half of the season. The Hawks are also 20th in opponents' points in the paint allowed. So I really like Nikola Vucevic here tonight to have a big game. And that's even with Clint Capella in. We know he's a great defender, but based on the, the lineup that the Hawks have and the very limited number of players or very good players, I think that this is just has the Bulls written all over it. Alex, with Caruso and Lonzo Ball out, like I mentioned, those are two players on the Bulls that really like to push the pace. So when you take a look at this total here, sitting at 210 and a half, fairly low, but do you tend to look towards the under just knowing that this Bulls team is, might play a little bit slower tonight? Yeah, and I think given the uh, amount of injuries that you've compiled, too, I mean, these Hawks team total unders have been great. I was thinking about maybe one of those, but if Trey Young's going to be in, uh, we just don't know what that's going to look like. And it's not just that he might score a lot of points. He's going to give up a lot of points. I mean, we know that he struggles defensively, and some of these guys on the Bulls are really going to be able to go after him. At the same time, if he does play, this might be just enough, you know, of a Hawks team to beat a Bulls team that – you know, I'm being pretty hesitant here. This is kind of the Bulls' second foray, I guess, into having COVID issues. So I don't know what other names are going to pop up here. So I'm a little nervous about that. Whereas weird as it sounds, the Hawks are kind of a known quantity. At least I know the guys that they have have kind of made through it, and they're going to be out there tonight. So at this point, I think you guys are on the right side. The Bulls are the better team, given on who look, looks like they're going to be out there. But just a lot of unknown and a lot of weirdness for me here. So I'm happy to put this one aside. Bulls head coach Billy Donovan is also out tonight in health and safety protocols. So that's something to take into consideration with their head coach being sidelined. But Chicago is 6-2 and two straight up as a road favorite. They're 3-2 and two straight up on the second end of a back-to-back. So Josh and I siding with the Bulls tonight at minus four on the road in Atlanta. The Utah Jazz. Taking on the Spurs in San Antonio tonight. Jazz are a seven-point favorite on the road. This totals at 230.5. Jazz beat Dallas by four on Christmas Day. Utah is now riding a three-game win streak, but so are the Spurs. Crushed Detroit last night, 144-109. No Donovan Mitchell tonight for the Jazz. He has a low back injury and will be out a couple games. 
The no DeJounte Murray for the Spurs tonight. He's in health and safety protocols, which is a big deal for San Antonio. Alex, start with you on this one. You like the total in this one. 230, that's not too high for you? 230 and a half? No way. We've got the Spurs here. You know, we talked about, I think it was last week, they averaged the fastest possession in the NBA, less than 14 seconds per possession, which is incredible. You've got a Jazz team here that has been playing really great basketball lately, finally starting to put it together, put up some real points. And this is a team that they should throttle. Uh, you know, we've talked about it before. The Jazz really take advantage of teams where not only do they have the overall talent advantage, which is most of the NBA, when that second unit comes in and they can really start to tear apart these teams, I think this has blowout written all over it. I think we're going to see a fast game. I think we're going to see just an absolute ton of points. So, again, the pace should be high. We've got a chance for a blowout. All the things that I want if I'm doing my little equation on overs. So, yeah, over 230, 231 sounds great. Really think we'll see a ton of points tonight. I have been looking at this game all morning. I want to play the Jazz minus seven so badly, but I've gotten burned by them so many times. But when I have gotten burned, it's because they're double-digit favorites. And so as double-digit favorites, they're not that great. But when they have when they're shorter favorites, anywhere from five, five and a half to the nine-point range, they're dominant. So this might be something that I play later in the day here. Josh, these two teams played earlier this year, and the Jazz, once again, were a double-digit favorite on the Spurs, but the Spurs ended up winning that one. Do you see that being the case at all tonight? No. Um, <laughs> simply put, I, I think, yeah, the Jazz go in and, and get the job done pretty efficiently here. Um, I think the way that the game shapes to play out, like Alex said, is if it ends up being an up-tempo, back-and-forth game, it probably suits Utah more than it does San Antonio, even though it's, you know, the style of play that the Spurs are executing and executing well at the moment. I think in a matchup like this, it's one that's basically only going to favor Utah. Um, to play a little bit of devil's advocate, maybe the Jazz on the road seem to really like to slow things down with their pace of play, um, sort of in the bottom third of the league. If they're the ones to control the tempo a little bit, does that change things? Uh, for either side, I'm not too sure. But again, you know, it, it's difficult, I always say, for teams who play slow pace to really implement their will against a team like the Spurs or like the Hornets, for example, who are simply just going to run and gun every time they get the basketball. Um, you know, I think they'll find themselves doing much the same as opposed to being able to stop San Antonio from doing so and forcing them into half-court sets. So the Spurs also the worst defensive rating at home this season, which is kind of interesting. Don't know if that really means anything, but it's it's a thing. So, yeah, I think everything points to sort of a, a Utah win and a pretty convincing one at that and a game where they should be able to score plenty of points themselves. So maybe I'm talking myself into a Jazz team total overs here. I don't know, but um, that's probably the way I'd look at it. I don't hate that. That is interesting that the Spurs have the worst offensive rating at home. You don't think of a Greg Popovich coached team to struggle on the defensive end, especially at home. But that uh, bodes well in Alex's favorite tonight. Uh, he has taken the total over 230 and a half. The Dallas Mavericks in Portland tonight to take on the Blazers. This game is pretty close, almost to pick them, but Mavs minus one right now. Total sitting at 212 and a half. Mavs have lost four of their last five, but Portland only won two of their last ten. Josh, we'll start with you on this one. Why do you like the Mavs minus one? Well, I think the Blazers are in a – I mean, 
a bigger problem, problematic situation than what they already have been this season in the fact that they are without Yusuf Nurkic. They don't have any big men available here. Um, CJ McCollum's still out. We don't know what's happening with Damian Lillard at this point, who's still listed as questionable. I believe it's for personal reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens there is going to be interesting, obviously, in terms of the spread and what happens to this number. If he sits, obviously, this is going to balloon out a little bit more. Dallas, I think, just match up much better with Portland, um, given what's available to both teams right now. Uh, you know, their big men situation, obviously, the I think biggest point of concern right now for the Blazers in a matchup like this where Dallas are going to be able to get inside and pretty much get what they want on every other possession. So do Portland have the pieces to be able to keep up if that's the case? I don't think so right now. I think Dallas still defensively a little bit better than they get given credit for. Um, And in a game that's primarily going to be played in the half court, I imagine, I think that's, again, something that suits only the Mavericks in this situation. So even though they are on the road, Uh, Even without Luka Doncic, I think the Mavs have basically shown themselves and we know what to expect from them without Luka. Whereas for Portland, there's still a lot of question marks and unknowns there, uh, given their situation again. So for me, it pretty much just screams to play Dallas here. I can't leave them off the table. So I have locked in a minus one on the Mavs here. I think this probably should be a little bit higher, maybe a two and a half, three. Um, and obviously, if Lillard goes out, then this one probably does push out towards that number, and I would probably put it even higher than that, at maybe even a four and a half. So Dallas for me here, I'd like the matchup a lot. I like the spot as well for them. Um, after a pretty good Christmas Day showing, it has to be said, against Utah, all things considered. Alex, do you agree with Josh on the Mavs being minus one the right play? I really do. This just looks like a phenomenal matchup. It's one of the interesting concepts. If you're someone that handicaps the NFL, you, you talk about cluster injuries. You'll see every year a couple teams will have just one position on the roster, whether it be a safety position, somewhere on the offensive line, usually maybe a defensive position, where all of a sudden your first three, four strings are just gone. Your starters, your backups, your backup backups, and all season you're constantly trying to fill in these holes. And honestly, now with all these COVID injuries, we're seeing some pretty similar stuff for certain teams. You know, you look at the Portland Trailblazers tonight, and it looks like they have a cluster injury to me at big man. I'm trying to figure out who their starting center is going to be tonight. Is Covington going to be the starting center? Are we going to be running Larry Nance Jr. out there as a center? I don't see any big men. And without Luka Doncic, the Mavericks have gone back to this kind of big man dominant style basketball where they don't turn the ball over and they are destroying the offensive boards. I mean, they're generating almost a dozen extra possessions a game some nights with all the extra offensive rebounds they're getting, the turnover advantages and things. And it's so hard to overcome that. It's it's one of the ways you can really just make the game easier. I mean, more possessions for you, less possessions for the other team. It's pretty simple. So I think the Mavs are just built perfectly to destroy what's left of this Trailblazers team. So Lillard in, Lillard out. I don't care. Mavericks win tonight. Well, both Josh and Alex are on the same page with this one. They're taking the Mavs minus one. Questions, please feel free to send those in the chat throughout the show. And we always, at the end of the show, take a moment to answer those for you. Today, questions, gentlemen, Nets versus Clippers. Any thoughts on that one, Josh? Not really. I think it's Nets or pass. The Clippers on a back-to-back being so shorthanded. I think I saw Nick Batum is now officially out. Mm-hmm. Um, Morris questionable. Maybe he comes in. I think they probably need all the help they can get right now in terms of healthy bodies. Uh, I don't necessarily want to be laying this many points, though, with the Nets on the road in L.A. 
it's a pretty simple pass for me. If I had to pick something, though, I'm probably just going to play Brooklyn. I think that they're just in a better situation than the Clippers right now, and obviously with the rest advantage to match. Yeah, I agree with you, Josh. I would lean towards the Nets here, but really funky spot, and the Clippers have been great at home. Tyron Lue continues to get the best out of this roster, and although the Nets are the better team, I think Harden is still kind of working himself into shape. We know there's no Kevin Durant tonight, so... I'm happy to kind of skip over this one. I think it's nets or pass, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers somehow pull an upset tonight. I would side with both of you guys on this one. I looked at this one for quite a bit this morning and, and really wanted to make a play on the nets, but ultimately just for I mean, reasons that you guys said, Clippers playing really well at home and James Harden looked really good on Christmas, but four and a half is, is quite a few for this Nets team on the road out in LA. So going to pass on this one as well. Take a look at our best bets for today. Things are a little backwards here. Josh is playing the Hornets, Bulls, and Mavs. And Alex is playing the Hornets, the over in the Jazz, Spurs, and the Mavs. So Alex and Josh's bets are switched. But all three of us, we are all playing the Hornets. Minus seven tonight. Josh and I both taking the Bulls as well. That is all we have for you today. Thank you for joining us. Happy betting back into the start of a brand new week. We hope you guys have success and we will see you back here for more Hoops Talk tomorrow. Have a good night.